Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. OCD here and move some, move some stuff around, but great to have you here. Uh, if I haven't met you, like uh, Chris said, my name is Marty and a great privilege together with Rachel of pastoring this church. And so we want to welcome you, particularly on Father's Day. And, um, you know, on Father's Day, we want to take time, obviously, to celebrate, celebrate dads and honor men because we, we live in a world that consistently wants to pull down wants to point fingers and focus on the negative, but we believe that God has called us to encourage, to speak hope, to speak truth and to speak life and to, and to lift people up. And so, so our, our message for today is, is simply this, is you're the man. You're the man. We'll, we'll outline, that's it, message over, let's go and have curry. No, no, I'm joking, but there's a, there's a little bit more to it, a little bit more to it than that. But uh, we we, we want to let you know that you're the man, and we'll, we'll come back to that soon, but I think it's important to say this, is that across this room, there would be many different circumstances when it comes to Father's Day and when it comes to fathers. And so maybe you're here in this place and you've recently lost your father, and so today for you could be a, a celebration of memories, and, and obviously maybe you're saddened at, at the loss of that time that you have with a, fa- with a father. Uh, maybe you grew up uh, not knowing a dad. That could be through various circumstances. Maybe you're a dad here who's currently uh, estranged from, from children. Maybe, maybe for you, your dad uh, was and still is your hero. Maybe he spoke great potential into your life. You know, he had a, you know, a couple of points he could you know, improve from, but generally, um, you know, your father was someone that you looked up to and, and just sowed so much uh, greatness into you. Or, or, or maybe your dad was there, but he wasn't there. Like maybe he was the, he was the distant dad. Or, or maybe even there's been some abuse and some heartache. And that's, that's absolutely tragic. It's not God's plan. And we're deeply saddened by that. But whatever your picture of an earthly dad uh, may be today, I want to remind you that we have a heavenly father that cares for us, that loves us, that never leaves us. In fact, it says it like this in Psalm uh, 68, verses 5 and 6. It says, He's the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. So whatever the situation today with earthly fathers, it is for you. I want to I wanna encourage you that above all of that, and that doesn't minimize that and say that doesn't matter, but we have a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us, who never leaves us and never forsakes us. And so today the message of you're the man is speaking directly to men that are here, no matter your age or stage of life, whether you're a teenager, whether uh, you're a mature gentleman, wherever you are on that journey. But ladies, don't worry, you, you, you won't miss out. You don't have to all go on Facebook now while, while, while I'm speaking. In fact, please don't. Um, but we, what, what we want to do is as we speak the Word of God to the men that are here, uh, it'll highlight things that we believe that we need to celebrate and champion in the men to see them walk out their God-given potential, their God-given purpose. Um, because a great principle to grasp a hold of is that you get what you celebrate. 
You get what you celebrate. You get what is championed. You get what is highlighted. And what's rewarded tends to be repeated. So I want to encourage you, ladies, as we, as we look at the Bible, as we look at God's Word, and see these attributes that I believe that God's bringing out to us today, let that be the stuff that we celebrate and honour and engage in the men in, the men in our lives. And so... So what we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna read from uh, the Gospel of Matthew from chapter three, and this is where Jesus is water baptized. We're just gonna zero in on this little part where Jesus is water baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. You know, it's a fairly significant moment in uh, Jesus' life. It's a powerful rite of passage. And in our 21st century culture, we have often lost or uh, minimized some key rites of passage when it comes to the growth and development of our young people. That, that's one of the reasons why I loved um, earlier this year uh, when as a men's trip, uh, we went uh, and climbed Bluff Knoll and the dads that were able to bring their, uh, bring their sons along with them. A powerful time of shared experience together uh, a rite of passage to uh, just to bring to build so relationship and build and build hope into into young people's lives. But anyway, I'm going to read this uh, this key moment for Jesus. It'll be on the screen behind me. So Matthew three verses thirteen uh, to seventeen it says this. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, uh, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, set, and settling on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. If you're familiar with that passage of Scripture, that was the New Living Translation. You may be more familiar with the statement of God saying to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But, but so here we have this powerful rite of passage with the Father speaking to the Son. Maybe we could even say like a, a poor sort of, you know, modern day translation is God is basically saying to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you're the man. Jesus, you are the man. Now, men, don't freak out and think, oh, no, if Jesus is the man, does that mean to be the man I have to be exactly like Jesus? That, uh, I, you know, how could I ever live up to that? You know, the miracles, the teaching, the patience that he showed, although Jesus didn't have to deal with telemarketers or slow drivers. So maybe, you know, he would have stumbled if he had, if he had them in his life. But, but I want to give you a little bit of information uh, about Jesus at this point. You see, at the moment of baptism, Jesus was a little bit of a late bloomer. He was 30 years old. All that is recorded of his life in the Bible so far up to this point is, is this is a, a quick recap, but basically his birth, his presentation to the temple at around the eighth day after his birth, his family's escape to Egypt uh, because of Herod, his family's then return from Egypt back to Israel, and his parents leaving him behind at the temple. Side note, um, if you, to all the dads and generally parents out there, if you've ever, ever forgotten your kids somewhere, don't freak out. Mary and Joseph did it as well. Jesus turned out all right. It'll be, it'll, it, it'll be okay. I promise you there wasn't too much psychological damage that was caused. He was, he, he was fine, right? But, but 
anyway, Jesus was 12 at this point. Um, the people in the temple were amazed at his, um, at his speech and his understanding. Then there's a verse just after that in Luke 2, verse 52. It says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, besides that, remember, that's 12, and now we're talking about Jesus being 30 years old. But besides that, that's, that's it. Nothing at all. No miracles recorded. No healing spoken of. No powerful message preached by Jesus in those years that we're aware of. No followers gather, gathered. Just, just nothing. And then into that seemingly nothingness, the voice of Father God says this, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So out of obscurity, out of seemingly like he hasn't you know, done anything, we see God the Father affirming Jesus the Son. What, what, what does that tell us? Well, the first thing it tells me is this, is that your identity is not found in what you have done. Men, I wanna speak directly to you. Your identity is not found in what you have done. Because if Jesus' identity has been found in his achievement, in his success, in his producing uh, the right stuff, uh, the words to the Father might have been something like this, Jesus, I'm really disappointed with you. Don't you realize that you're 30 right now? You know what's all downhill from here? In fact, Jesus, spoiler alert, you've only got about three years left, so you might wanna get things moving a little bit more like surely, you would have had more of a name by now, at least locally, like maybe a B-grade celeb by now. Like, come on, Jesus, just sort of like lift up the level a bit. You know, I thought the first book deal would have been out. I thought your Insta followers would have been huge. Even made sure you got that verified tick so I knew it was the real JC. Like, you know, like I, I did all this for you and, and what have you done? You haven't done anything yet. But how often do we measure ourselves, everyone right across male and female, but particularly speaking to men this morning by our achievements. If I want to be somebody, then we think that I've got to achieve a certain level of salary or climb up on the org chart or, you know, purchase this or, you know, had this experience or this level of education or, or whatever it is for us. But Father God's confirmation of Jesus shows us this, that our identity should not be placed in what we achieved shouldn't be placed in what we achieved well where well where should it be placed then because that's the that's the obvious question after that well that small verse that I shared with you in Luke before that says that Jesus grew in stature and favor with God and man gives us a bit of a clue because if you're because you might ask well if you're saying Jesus didn't achieve anything didn't do anything and, and that was fine does that mean he spent the first you know 30 years sitting on the couch eating Doritos and playing video games like score awesome let's be like Jesus I love this Christianity thing even 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 more now but here's a few verses throughout the Bible just to give you a quick hint I'll just go through them quickly John 10 verse 30 this is Jesus speaking he says I and the father are one John 14 verse 9 says, anyone who has seen me, Jesus speaking again, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. John 15 10, Jesus speaking again, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Luke 5 verse 16 says this about Jesus, says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now all these verses speak of 
Jesus' life after the age of 30, but it gives us a snapshot into the patterns and rhythms that Jesus obviously built into his life. You see, our identity, like I said, is not found in what we have done, but it's found in who we are with. And then it's not found by our achievements or success or, you know, whatever we think. No, no, man, I want to tell you, your, your identity is found in who you're with, in being with God, in being with Jesus. Man, you find your identity as the son of the most high God by spending time with God. That's, that's, that's how you find it. Whether that's, you know, appreciating the, the beauty of a, of, of a sunset and then reflecting on how amazing the love of, of God is, that His, you know, faithful love that endures forever. Whether that's uh, listening to worship and connecting with God that way, whether that's through study, through reading God's Word, through, you know, opening your spiritual eyes like Kevin shared so, so powerfully to, to listen to the voice of God as He speaks to us and, you know, gives us those hints of, of things that He wants us to do. But I, I want to encourage you, stop trying to prove yourself and trust that God approves of you and stop and step in to relationship with Him. Don't worry, you still get to achieve things. You still get to make a mark. You still get to make a difference. But you do that out of a foundation of being with God. That's where our identity truly comes from. Galatians 3 verse 26 says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As we understand who God is and that He wants a relationship with us, this is all of us, our identity is formed out of who God says that I am. So the first thing we need to understand uh, from this is that our identity is not found in what you have done. And the second thing I get from this is that God spoke to the Son's identity. In that moment, there was God speaking about Jesus. Jesus goes down to the waters of baptism, comes up, the Holy Spirit, like we, like we said, descends upon him like a dove, and then a voice speaks. Fathers and men, I want to tell you that your voice matters. Men, young men, I want to encourage you that the words that you speak, that your voice matters. Think about it for a second. Um, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, all those things. He could have confirmed Jesus in any way possible. You know, he could have been a little bit more spectacular. You know, like how about a, a, giant, a, giant, a giant, in fact, um, halo, like descending from heaven with like these flashing lights saying, this is my, this is my son, this is Jesus, this is, this is the man right here. What about some skywriting, the hand of God? It had been done before, you know, come out and write, this is Jesus, you know, arrow pointing here with a little flashing. This is, this, is, this is who he is. Jesus, you're the man. Or maybe he could have done, you know, one of those cool dad TikToks about, Jesus, no, no, Dad, TikToks are cool. Anyway, you know about Jesus, you're the man. You know something, something like that. But no, why? Because there's something powerful about words. They help to shape and form identity. There's there's something powerful about uh, taking on the power of words to shape and to form identity. And just like the Father did that to the Son, I want to encourage you fathers, I want to encourage you men, that you have that same power through Jesus Christ, that you create people's identity, that you shape the atmosphere of your home by the words that you speak, by the prayers that you, that you pray. It's a, it's a power and it's a responsibility 
all at the same time. Can anyone think Spider-Man? It's a great power and it's a great responsibility all at the same time. You see, there's something powerful about a father telling their child that they're proud of them, that they believe in them. There's a future ahead that is good, that God loves them so much. There's also something powerful about doing that like Father God did and disconnecting it necessarily from behavior. Now, of course, we've always got to discipline our kids and you know, get them on the right track and bring the right boundaries around. But there's something powerful, men, about speaking to the young people in your life in spite of maybe their behavior, in spite maybe of some of their choices and say, you know what, I believe in you. You know what, this, this choice that you made, dumb, very dumb. But I want to tell you, I still believe in you. There's a future for you. There's something. God's put a purpose on the inside of your life. I believe that God is doing something amazing in your life. There's something powerful as we do that as a father. Conversely, when we pull down, when we respond with anger, cutting or spiteful words, it erodes identity, it undercuts confidence and it creates hurt and disappointment in people's lives. And we've all been there. So don't, don't let this be like, oh man, I suck so much. No, no, we have all been there. You know, that time when you said something and as soon as the words came out of your mouth, you going to try and like physically grab them and shove them back in and think, how can I be so dumb and still breathe and say that? Like, I don't, I don't understand. So we've all been there. We've, we've all done that. I would say the thing I apologize most to Rachel and my family about is words that I've said or how I've said them. But don't let those mistakes shake you from your God-given mandate to create identity through your words. Guys, we aren't always good at words, but I want to encourage you, sometimes it's just stepping a little bit past our own awkwardness and realizing that it's not actually often about the words that we say, it's the person saying them. It's the spirit behind them. It's the fact that we've just sort of stepped out and said something, even though we feel a little bit awkward, even though we afterwards were like, oh man, I can't believe I said that. I could have said it like this. And if I had more, no, no, but just step into that. Just embrace that awkwardness and go, you know what? As a man, I have a responsibility to shape the environments that I'm in, whether that's my home, whether that's my workplace, whether that's with my children. I can speak and, and there's a God-given authority that he's put in my life to make a difference. So men, step past worrying about what you might sound like and use the power of your words in a responsible way to speak God identity into those around you. So your words have power and let's be responsible for them and let's not let things go unsaid that should be said because God has called us to make a difference. God has called us to speak up. God has called us to form the atmosphere around our homes and around our families. Maybe just as the worship team joins me as we begin to wrap up. So, so number one, what we found from this, um, this account of Jesus at baptism was that our identity is not found in what we have done. Uh, the second thing, like I just said, is that God spoke. He didn't use any other means, but He showed us the power of words by speaking into the situation, speaking in to Jesus' identity. And the third thing really quickly is just this, is that Jesus' humility placed Him in the right spot. 